0: The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. Every sports media star has a story. From the highs... We are number
1: one. We just grabbed every key demographic. Yeah.
0: To the lows. You're fire! The path to success is always different. To help you learn more about the industry's top broadcasters, Barrett Sports Media brings you the Sports Talkers podcast. Now, here's your host, Stephen Strong.
1: All right, let's do this thing, Sports Talkers Podcast. Welcome in here on a Thursday morning, afternoon, or night, whenever you may be listening. Thank you for making me a part of your day. Before we get into today's guest, I have to, I guess, send a shout-out. Is That that sounds positive, but it's really not. Our content uh, director for our podcast, Dimitri, uh, went down on a really hard fall on the motorcycle I can't even describe the email that we got a couple of days ago. Very scary, but he's okay. He's still working, of course, one of the hardest workers that I know and a fantastic um, not only boss but a a great role model as well. I just want to shout him out on on the network, BarrettSportsMedia.com. Get better, Dimitri. We got your back, and um, thank you for all the things that you do for us. All right, today, Craig Bowlerjack. He's been the voice of the Utah Jazz now for 17 years seasons. He's entering his 18th. We talk about his journey to broadcasting a knee injury that led him to broadcasting. A stint here, a stint there, and the organization that kept him fresh and excited. Uh, Craig's called a ton of memorable games and not so memorable ones like the COVID game where Rudy Gobert tested positive during the game and everything got shut down. He tells a wild story and the details of that night that you don't want to miss. So without further ado, rate, subscribe, and review. Here is the voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bullerjack. It's been a heck of a start for the Utah Jazz, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But let's first start here with your journey. We begin with how you got into sports broadcasting. Where were you? When did it happen? Let's go through that first.
0: Well, I'll try to I'll try to condense this down because I've been at it a long time, Stephen. But you know what? Uh, the story goes, I went to college at Kansas State University. Uh, we had a very good high school football team. Most of us got recruited to division one schools and had a chance. I uh, got recruited by Arkansas and a few uh, junior college schools, Kansas state gave me a letter and a few others. And I decided to, after a knee injury, I know this story repeats itself hundreds of times for so many individuals, but at 19, you, you, you know, a young mind will say, well, you can't play ball. Then what, why go to school? Right? So uh, my brother kind of grabbed me around the neck, who was a senior at that time, and said, come on. Uh, and so, you know, Kansas State has a school of broadcast journalism. And at the time, I was in biology. I love science. And I really thought, you know, I could do uh, do a career in teaching or, you know, not sure. um, uh, working for National Geographic would be awesome at, at 19, getting out of college and see what I could do. But you know what, when I realized uh, after taking my first year of some of the biology classes I needed to uh, and trying to balance all the above, I realized I had to go a different direction. So I took one of the elective courses of uh, broadcast journalism 101 and I dove into it. As soon as I I walked in the door, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Uh, it was It was a great place to begin the career, make mistakes, understand what you had to do and how to prepare. So after I graduated, I got a job. I auditioned for a job for a weekend sportscaster in Topeka, Kansas, worked there for a year. And the station or the corporation that owned that brought me down to Wichita. I was there for three years, continued to do uh, six and 10 sports. Mm -hmm. And then one night I got a phone call from an individual who had come through town, who was affiliated affiliated with uh, the NBC affiliate. Uh, KSL television. Uh, and they said, Hey, we're going to expand our, our, our staff and we want you to be a part of it. And I thought, my goodness. So I came out for an in- interview in and, Utah. In Utah, Yeah. I met Jim Nance, uh, who's been with CBS for so long. Uh, we worked together for about four months before he went off to CBS. I would follow him 13 years later and wow. I was there for 13, and it's amazing. I, uh so I did the six and ten CBS call me. Uh, did college NFL football for them, college basketball, the NCAA tournament. Uh, did the desk for a couple of years as well in New York. And then I went to Fox for nearly five seasons. Wow. And then four years ago, I just said, you know what, the traveling's too much. I'm doing 120 games a year. And so I backed off and just decided to concentrate on the jazz. So this is my 18th season. We just started. I love for sports happen at a young age. I, no one ever had to force me to do anything. I was always, you know, working baseball on the field, playing baseball, running track, football. I just happened to fall into this because of a doggone knee injury. But you know what? There's it's all for a reason. Yep. And. I, I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade it. I really wouldn't. It's It's been a, an incredible journey.
1: Let's first start sure. here because the first thing that I notice when I'm listening to you and I'm talking to you right now is the voice, right? You know, you've got the pipes. I know, you know, you've got the pipes, but what did you think you had uh, early on in your career that you felt, okay, I can do this as a career and here's why? What were some of those things?
0: That's a great question. I've never been asked that. Uh, I think in my own mind, I felt like I was an individual who could prepare, uh, and I also took a lot of pride, and I still do in writing. Um, you know, am I a scholar? No, but I think you have to ad lib write in some ways, as you know. Oh, Stephen, improv, hundred percent. It's, it's all ad lib. I mean, you can prepare, and I think that's probably the most important part of this is that when you hit hit the ground running for. Two and a half, three and a half hours for a college or NFL game. It's the preparation that you've done during the week that allows you to continue in that ad lib situation, which it really is. I mean, you know, when you do the the six and ten on set, uh, I wrote all my own copy, which is I love doing. But also, you know, the teleprompter rolls in front of you, and you know everything's kind of timed out. But when yep. you hit the play by play trail, you leave that all behind. And you just go with what you prepared for uh, the notes in mind, the notes you have in front of you, uh, the two deep charts, et cetera, as you know, and it's um, that's where, that's where your week's worth of preparation, then you're able to bring it out. And, and as we say in the business, spill it Uh, sometimes you'll leave a lot of notes on the floor, you know, the cutting floor and other times, you know, you'll lose, you'll use them all up and, you know, I've been involved in 49, 50 something, three fifty to three half times in college. And you know that everyone's flipped the switch except the die, you know, the diehard fan. And so you continue to do be as professional as you possibly can to make the game as entertaining as possible. Plus, try to go down the middle.
1: And Craig, I also want you to add this in as well. And I've been fortunate enough to be around uh, one of the most crazed, preparated, whatever you want to call guys, and Eric Reed. And he used to tell me that hey, I, I'm going to over-prepare every single game, but I might use 5% of the stuff that I prepared for. Can you talk Back- about not feeling like you have to force in all the information that you you know prepared for into a game?
0: That's another good, uh, good observation, Stephen. Honestly, I tell you, the, the thing about this is you have to check yourself at the gate. And I think what Eric does and what I always try to do is look you feel prepared but you just said it you don't have to try to over impress anyone that you have to get every every stat every gold nugget you got about a certain player and the thing is you go with the flow of the game you're there to entertain not to just force people to listen to you or impress them about how much you know and I think that's uh, something that a lot, a lot of young broadcasters maybe fall into, uh, because again, they want to prove that they have, they are prepared. Right. But you know what? as the game progresses, that comes down anyway. Yep. Because of your homework. But I think a lot of times, less is more. Uh, and you know what? You want the game to breathe. You want to hear the crowd. You want the fans at home not to be suffocated by your voice, but just to able to inhale what's happening at the game. Again, fans I have found, you know, they're 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 so fun. I mean, they're that's why they call them fans, fanatics. You know, they love their team. They know a lot about their team. You try to educate them some about their opponent. Sometimes they're not interested, but I still always try to inform as best I can both sides of the ball. And I think that's important to do at the end of the day. You've
1: been with the Jazz. You're going into your 18th season with them. What's the hairiest situation you've gotten into interviewing a player or a coach and how did you handle that
0: I think it just happened a couple of years ago Uh, I've had some crazy times where you know players would walk away from me and uh, (laughs) they were upset after a game or didn't like the tone or the question I get that that happens and that's that's really kind of a, a good thing it's a great experience to deal with you know high level paid athletes because you know they say they don't listen to to, to Twitter or, or to news, but they do. Craig I mean, they has get... a
1: huge smirk for the people that aren't watching <laughs> on zoom.
0: <laughs> they, they all get upset. Uh, so those stories, but you know what? Probably the most challenging night I ever had was March 11, 2020 in Oklahoma city when Rudy mm. Gobert, uh, tested positive for COVID and I'm right in the middle of ground zero and we're right at the table Thurl Bailey. Who's my analyst and I, and Kristen Kenny at the time was our sideline reporter Uh, And we knew that Rudy was being tested. We knew when he, when we came to OKC that he wasn't feeling well. But remember, Stephen, this was at the very tip of, of what we didn't know about COVID. Yep. And it was a scary story, but it really hadn't impacted most of us in the States. And that night when we were at, uh, we'd already done pregame. We were about a minute from tip off. We had just gone through our open. We were at the scores table where we sat to the right. And the team was to my right. And I saw a guy out on my left eye run across the floor uh, just where the guys were walking on to do the tip. And we stopped it. The officials just stepped in, shut it down. I remember that. They called over both coaches, Billy Donovan at the time and Quinn Snyder. Yep. And they met right in front of me. I could overhear the conversation. I, I looked at Thurl uh, and, I, and he knew what I was thinking. We had, you know, six sense of like, wow, this that game is not going to be played. We took a break. We came back, you know, the old cliche tap dance your way through the next couple <laughs> of three minutes. And, you know, again, preparation came into play here because, you know, we ran down what we knew. I never went above or beyond that because again, we're dealing with really a a story that's going to impact a fluid situation too. the NBA, right? Stephen, but the whole world, I mean, this like, you know, this is a moment in time uh, that's really going to be remembered. And I'm just sitting there right there in the thick of it. And so I wanted to control it. I didn't want to overplay it. I didn't want to scare anybody. In The back of my mind, I thought, I wonder how this crowd's going to respond. If there's going to be a herd of people running to the to, you know running to the exits and then I we took another commercial break and I remember the last thing I said was if this game's played Jazz Nation will be back with you here in just a minute on AT&T SportsNet and that was the last thing I said and I looked at my phone boom blew up and they said leave everything at your desk and get back to the locker room and so that's what we did and it happened so quickly, Stephen. We were taken back around the corner into a side room where, when the jazz or when the, the thunder don't play, obviously the arena is used for uh, concerts, etc. So, this was like a side dressing room with a little bathroom and a couple of televisions and a refrigerator that had some water in it. They load eight of us in there, and for the next three hours, we didn't hear a thing. And then we get a knock on the door, they brought some food. Uh, they knocked again on the door at twelve thirty in the morning. Tested. It was like a scene out of a, uh, a oh Spielberg movie. My God, like everyone's in uh, you know hazmat garb. And then we got another call, knock on the door actually to say load in the buses. That was about two two thirty, and then about uh, four o'clock we were told to you know go to the hotel where were they dropped us off. We grabbed a key. There was no one, of course, in the lobby. They cleared everybody out. And uh, we got to a room and they say, stay there until we call. And I got a call the next morning at 845. I didn't sleep much, you can imagine. And got a call from our PR guy, Derek. (laughs) And he just said, hey, Boulder, you're negative. And I was stunned. Donovan Mitchell was positive. And so there starts kind of that issue with Donovan and Rudy. I think really that's where all of it came. And now they're both have been traded once in Cleveland and once in Minnesota. But that was probably the most challenging night of just holding things together and again, not trying to predict what's happening, mm. but wait to get to get facts and you know make sure you told the fans what was happening, not what I think is happening.
1: When you look around the league as far as play by play broadcasters, what's the common characteristic that these guys or girls have? that yep. make them so successful?
0: Uh, again, another great a, a question and and, a, a, and really making me go a, a little, in, trying to dig into some insight here. I think the commonality that I've, I've learned from both the analysts and the play-by-play is, well, first you have to have a, a team concept. Um, uh, you know, the guys you know down in Miami are high level. I, I think longevity happens because, again, you continue to prep you continue to obviously love your work you have a ability to ability to interact with the fans both on the camera and off when you're doing home games and walking the arena and seeing people my college professor told me once look if you want to stay in this business you know, if people don't start if they quit talking to you you know you're in big trouble and you know <laughs> in real reality you're you're not bigger i think the successful broadcasters they they, they understand their job and it's not, it's not about them, Stephen. It's, it's really, I'm here as a conduit, honestly, to bring entertainment information and hopefully connect with the fan. Sure. And what I've done from day one, that's been my goal from day one. I like people. I like mingling. I like to get to know what they think and what's going on in their minds about their team. It was the same way at CBS. Um, you know, the NFL, you jump into one town for three days and you try to continue to get to know coaches throughout your career and build that trust. And I think that's another part that comes into play is the information you gather uh, comes from trust, building a reputation of a guy or of a woman now who, you know, it's awesome. I mean, the, the world's changing, right? Uh, there's a lot of, of uh, things that some people agree with but don't agree with. And, you know, we're, we're seeing balance now in the male female, uh, you know, I guess it's the job titles that go with it. So we, we had actually had added Holly Rowe who works at ESPN, as you know, uh, she's a Utah, uh, I think she went to BYU for one year, but, uh, they were able to get her for 40 games this year and we're using her as a kind of a. Uh, an analyst slash sideline jack of all trades high level interviewer yeah for players and and coaches so it's been really interesting for me to take that challenge on sometimes in a three-person booth and that's uh that's not easy um it's easier in football basketball moves so fast uh it's a little tougher for three but i think you just have to have a relationship and that always remember i think individuals who don't stay in the business think it's TV and wow, I made it. But you know what? No, it's about the business of broadcasting and journalism that still is number one. And if you lose track of that and put yourself ahead of any of that, then you ought to be out. Mm. Because reality its it's not you. It's about me being able to blend myself in with the audience, the teams, the coaches, and the fans. And I think that's off the cuff, the most important thing I can... I can say
1: serving your audience. Uh, absolutely. Yep. Great, great, great stuff there. Um, last one. Let's end on a basketball question. Sure. The mysterious Will Hardy. What What's Will Hardy like?
0: Steven, <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I'm still getting to know him. Um, you know, he's 34. He was with Popovich at a very young age. I think he went 11 years with Greg Popovich. So let's put it right now. You can imagine right now, if anybody follows the NBA, you know, The 28, 27, 28 years of Greg Popovich, you know, he's a, he's a crusty character, (laughs) Uh, you know, incredible success, five NBA titles. Um, He, what I think the beauty of him and what I think Will Hardy will be after one year, by the way, in Boston last year, when the Celtics went to the finals, um, I think what Will Hardy learned is that you treat a Tim Duncan, a Manu Ginobili. A uh, Tony Parker, a uh, uh, David Robinson, uh, the exact same way you treat a uh, Bren Forbes, uh, anyone on the bench. Right during those days, yeah, Tiago Splitter. Yeah, and so what I think Popovich was able to do was, and why he's had longevity is he's not only gained respect, but he calls it right for fifteen guys. Uh, you know what he he tells it the way it is. I don't think he tries to hide or you know uh sugarcoat any comments. I think players honestly, in the end, no matter if you make look, I mean, yeah, that's a tough day if you're making two million a year compared to 40, right? And I think that for fans, that's a tough thing to swallow, too, in some cases. But or broadcast uh, assistants, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Right. Uh but Stephen, the thing is, I think Will Hardy obviously coming off the tree the branch of Greg Popovich, how could he not have some of those same characteristics? And I, I sense it, excuse me, already with the likes of new faces and he's new. So he's able to grow with this new jazz team without yep. Don and Rudy. There's still Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson, but those guys I think have the personalities to adjust as well. And also understand and respect what the jazz are trying to do. And, that's what I've noticed so far. He's able to connect. Now, you get into trouble when you try to be a friend, but you have to listen. and It's almost like you have to be a psychologist and a psychiatrist at the same time, right? And, you know, and, and be a father figure at times, but, 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 but also be a friend. But you have to balance it. And I think Popovich is probably a genius in some ways, a personality, of reading personalities. I think Will Hardy will have some of those same characteristics. I really do.
1: Huge shout-out to Craig Jack for joining us today. Thank you for listening, as always. Rate, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, Google, Amazon. Make sure to check out all the other things on the site, SportsMedia.com. Have a fantastic rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you next Thursday here on the Sports Talkers
0: Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Sports Talkers Podcast with Stephen Strong. A reminder that each episode can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcasting platforms. To stay up to date on future episodes, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.